Hello from Stockholm and welcome to A Woman's Place. I'm Samanda Ekman and this podcast is a collaboration between the local and Invest Stockholm. And the fabulous music at the beginning was composed by the Stockholm band Rain. Take a look at the podcast notes if you want to hear more from them. 25% of expats living in Sweden say they moved here for love. But what happens if uh, the relationship doesn't work out? Do you give up and go back to where you come from? Or do you stick it out in an unfamiliar country? Today we meet two women who came to Stockholm for love, but stayed for the lifestyle and career opportunities. Paula Maso is a textile designer who was born and raised in Venezuela. She lived in London for nearly two years, where she studied at London College of Fashion before moving to Barcelona. She relocated to Stockholm over four years ago and is now working as the concept designer at Swedish brand Happy Socks. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much. How Thanks are for you today? Me. Really, really good. I also want to uh, say welcome to Denise Conway. Denise comes from Ireland and uh, been living here since 2011 with her two uh, youngest children. She began her career as a software engineer, but uh, for the moment you're focusing on your new book. Yes. Coming out soon. Indeed. Thank you both for being here. Um, You both fall into the 25% of expats who moved here for love. Also known as love refugees. (laughs) (laughs) How does that feel? The word, love refugee. I mean, it's funny, I guess, in a way. Yeah. It's, you know, love immigrant maybe would also work. Yeah. In my case, it's weird because I, I came with someone who wasn't Swedish. So we're both Venezuelan. So people were like, oh, you fell for a Swedish dude. I'm like, no, not really. Okay, but you... <laughs> I'm not really into blondes. Oh, or I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but both your relationships ended and you're still mm. here. Mm-hmm. I, and it can't be for the climate. So I mean, the weather is super charming. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no. <laughs> so is wh- what is it about Stockholm that, that made you stay? Well, uh, if we want to use my example. I arrived in Stockholm with, I had a Swedish boyfriend and we had been having a transatlantic relationship. He lived, and where did you meet? We met in Boston, actually. We worked for the same company and he lived there. And then we decided, okay, we would try to move together. And we chose Stockholm because it's a fantastic city. And he was from here? He's actually from a little south, um, but he's he is from Sweden. So he moved to Stockholm first and then I followed. And... Two days after I moved in with him, we broke up. That's so, I mean, insane. <laughs> I had literally just arrived in the city. And then I was sitting, I went to Story Hotel, you know, I left, I packed all my things. I went to Story Hotel uh, just on, just around from Sturplan. And I sat there trying to decide, like, what do I do? Do I go back to Ireland or do I stay here? But one of the most um, amazing things about Stockholm, when you when I came to the city first and I walked around, I was really taken aback by the number of men that were pushing babies in prams, mm-hmm. like little strollers everywhere. It was like it seemed like the the man's place was in the home. That's what it that's what it appeared to be. And I thought and this it is, appealed. It it was really interesting. I thought everyone was gay when I came. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, there are like straight men pushing prams. I was like, why are there so many gay men in the city? Yeah, nannies. Yeah. A lot of people think that there are a lot of gay nannies here. Yeah, but also like men are a bit, like look a bit more feminine in Sweden as well. So I I just assumed, you know, like coming from Spain, like macho land. And then you come to Sweden and you see like skinny jeans, 
very proper dudes having lattes pushing I was like everyone's gay <laughs> slick back hair yes <laughs> they, all, they look fantastic in fairness <laughs> yes was that the it factor was, that made you stay it was one or? of the things that made me stay Why? I mean there's there's something very subtle about the um, when it co- when it comes to I come from Ireland and and things are a little bit different in Ireland when I met this Swedish guy I was astounded he, he, you know when we were together, we were sitting in his apartment. It was not my job to cook. It was not my job to clean. He could cook. He could clean. He could iron his own shirts. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. A man that knew how to use an iron. I thought, wow, you know, I don't know anybody who irons their own shirts. It's like uh, back home, all the, all the guys, they have somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I really thought that was amazing. So I thought, okay, well, if there are more like him and there appeared to be, then, then maybe this is, is going to be a good place. And let's face it also, they're very handsome, the Swedish guys. So I kind of thought, okay, well, if I go down to Stirplan, then I'll probably find another one. Yeah. <laughs> so you stayed for the possibility of love then? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I love, wasn't willing. Refugee and, and it's also staying because of love. It's... I wasn't willing to trade back to the... The culture that I had come from very much put me in. I was allowed to work, but I wasn't really supported to do so. Mm-hmm. So when my daughter, for example, was nine weeks old, I had to go back to work. That's insane. And Pablo, you're from Venezuela, mm-hmm. a country currently in a crisis. It's horrible, yeah. Which must be sad for you to to watch from afar. Yeah. But what was it like growing up there? From a woman's perspective, for example, it was quite an interesting thing because it is quite a backwards or like traditional country in that way um, where yeah like women are supposed to act a certain way and look a certain way in particular like this the beauty standards of women versus men are quite bizarre and extreme do you have an example well Miss Venezuela like we have the most Miss Universe titles in the world and it's it's like the our Eurovision is our beauty pageant thing and you know women are almost encouraged to have surgery so you know how we have like um, instead of 16 sweet 16 we have quinceañera like when you turn 15 all the girls get this like massive party with almost like a wedding dress and it's your uh, introduction into society kind of like you're ready to be a woman and, and traditionally it's when they introduced you know girls into marriage basically or like you're, you're, you're in the marrying age or the how, mating how was age it, how was it growing up? In but for example, I didn't for have one. So then my mother has always been super, super independent and kind of like the breadwinner at home. And she's been, you know, married three times. She's uh, very in charge of her own life. So I grew up in a, a little bubble. And for example, when all of these like 15-year-old parties were happening, my mom is like, we're going to New York instead. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, but also one of the gifts for when you turn 15 is either a nose job or a boob job. Wow. And this is incredibly common. And you haven't even developed as a woman and you're already getting fake boobs, for example. So this is like how it was, you know, That's growing bizarre. up there. Yeah, yeah. It, sounds, it sounds... Yeah, And you it, can choose a certain set of careers also. It's not really... There's not a lot of uh, women engineers, for example, and, and, you know, as it is here. Yeah. In that sense. It's so, it, That's very different here. I, I worked as an engineer and... It was, you know, there weren't so many women. And then the company that I worked for were really trying hard to recruit more women in. But it was a challenge. Because in it, what way? It's not. It's not. It wasn't encouraged. I mean, the the gender roles are very clearly defined when you're growing up. 
I was responsible for helping with cooking and cleaning and those things. My brothers, no, mm. they did. They, you know, they got to help my dad with the, fix a car, for example. So I wanted to fix the car. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get my hands into the engine, and maybe that's why I, you know, I started to move into more kind of what were considered men's roles. So it's not a coincidence that you ended up in Stockholm. No, it's it has to do with with the culture also of of gender equality. Yes, most likely, yeah. And and it also strikes me that your backgrounds are similar in in the way that both Venezuela and Ireland are Catholic countries mm. with strong family and traditional values. Would you say the traditional uh, women's role is is it still like that? In Venezuela, things are very much still the same. Unfortunately, I feel like the country hasn't had the opportunity to develop as the rest of its neighbors, for example, because there is a really pressing economic and political crisis. So that has been the main focus. And I think that it's only in countries like Sweden, where you've been at peace for a really long time, that you can focus on, and I'm doing air quotes now, (laughs) uh, less pressing matters as gender equality when you have food on your table, for example, which hasn't really been the, the case of Venezuela, who is now 20 years into a dictatorship. Um, so things are pretty much exactly the same. And in Sweden, for example, one of the things, again, like when I came in, I was like, oh, the, all the men are gay. I work in fashion. That's so Stockholm, I take, though, yeah, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's Stockholm, that's Stockholm, that's Stockholm. But I've only lived in Stockholm and I, you know, I took notice on people's fashion choices and I think that gender equality has also translated into fashion because women here dress very masculine you know this whole like oversized fit you know you don't want anything too tight to your body you know it's flat shoes everywhere and then the men are into more the skinny jean sort of like you know so gender lines are clearly a lot more blurred Um, and it took me a while to sort of like, okay, they're not actually gay. They're just like taking care of the babies. How did you, how, what was your reaction to that? The the, the fashion uh, differences that women here do dress more, I would say more practically, they, that you can you can do more things. You can be more active and free. I think and it's free, fabulous. You know? I think it's fabulous. But at the same time, especially now that I've been like single for a while and I've been like exploring the dating scene a bit, um, I think people are... Of course, Sweden is at the forefront of, of of the gender equality fight, and it's still clearly not over, especially in the news like that have been popping out lately, like with academy and things like this. But yeah. it's more like people are also a little bit confused. Like I feel like we're reaching that tipping point, and then things will sort of like normalize at some point. But people are confused in terms of like who pays for what, who asks people out for what you know what the responsibilities yeah yeah so things and as much as venezuela is really backwards and whatever there's no discussion the guy is going to pay for dinner like nobody you don't even have to think about it here even though you know there's a little bit of like awkwardness in the dating scene as well so how do you do it do you pay no i like it when they pay I'm like sorry. I'm from Venezuela. No, no, you know, I always I have a I have a my party trick. I go like I don't see why we need to pay half ways if I'm not earning the same as you. So as long as men earn still more. earn more, exactly. then you should pay more. Yeah. Why do I have to the pay the income gap? Yeah. You refer to the income gap. The income gap. I'm like, why do I have to pay more rent if you make twice as much as me? Do you know what I mean? And do we, why do we have to split things halfway? Like let's split it halfway when we are actually 
It can count the, the percent that you. Yeah, you correct. Get. Yeah, so I'm like, if you if you earn more, then by all means, do pay for dinner. Yeah, if you're going to have that discussion on a date, though, you have to first say, okay, so how much do you earn? Because yeah. I'm earning this much, so then you should have this percentage of the bill, and I'll take that percentage. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Maybe it becomes a very awkward dating scenario. It has been super awkward, but also we all just assume that they do earn more, and that is the case. Like they're, you know. I don't we don't even have to talk I about it. assume that at all. I mean, well, the the role that I've just left, I know that I was on on par with my my male colleagues. And actually, since moving to Sweden, I have earned. Um, I, I mean, I, I more than doubled my salary when I moved mm. here. Um, now I did set up a consultancy business, and I was paying myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you pay for dinner <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I kind of. I, so I, I'm. I'm very much of the opinion that you should try to. You know, equality means that it is equal. So I should take a turn, and they should take a turn. It shouldn't always be one way. But I do really like it when somebody else is paying yeah. for the food. I agree. But, but now, is, for example, I earn more than my boyfriend because he's younger. So now it's I'm, I'm have to bite my own tongue and like you know shut myself in the foot. I'm like, okay, now I pay for all dinners, <laughs> which but, is okay, I guess. This is a small detail example of, but but it says something about the woman's role. Well, what is it to be a woman in Stockholm? How is it different? This is what I found to be um, very exciting when I got here. It was whatever I whatever I chose. People didn't make a, a differentiation. I've been told that um, like I drive like a man. That's what they tell me back home. Um, I drive. Uh, you hear people will say, "Oh, you you're a good driver." It, that's it's very mm-hmm. subtle, but that's the difference. When um, I, I mean, back home, I, I was into triathlon, so I, I, I did triathlons and I did marathons and I did all sorts. And in fact, from a lot of women, I got comments like, "But you shouldn't be taking the time for that training. You know, you should be with your kids." Because that's, that's my place. Whereas here, everybody trains. I mean, it's understood that if you're, if, you know, that both parents need to look after their health and stay fit and stay active. It's 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 fair. Yeah, you're and a human beyond beyond your gender. Yeah, you're just like a human it's, being. It doesn't come into question yeah. what, that I'm female when I'm doing something. Yeah. I mean, it's still not perfect. So, for example, you see that. I don't know. I see it at like dinner parties and stuff. It's still the women who mostly get up and clean up, for example. And for example, when my friends come visit here, like from abroad, Stockholm is a super cute city and everything. But if you live in like Berlin or New York or Paris, it can be a bit like boring. And they're like, why are you living here? You're not even like 30. But then again, it's like I cannot show them gender equality when they visit for a weekend. I cannot show them a good healthcare system. I cannot show them great public education like there's so many things about Sweden and that's the reason why I've stayed but how do you explain to them how the gender equality is here no but that's the thing is like I, I I can't sort of like explain it to them in like five minutes or show them so it's like for me Sweden is all about these like hidden things you know to the to the public eye to the naked eye of the reasons why you're actually living here and, and the quality of life and I do feel even though at times this might not be the most exciting place in the world I do feel that if I move from here it's automatically going to be a downgrade in all of those things because where where do you go from Sweden you know like people here are so aware and there is a fight and there is a conversation around making things equal not only for women for for immigrants for for everybody for everybody absolutely everybody for people with disabilities like the conversation is very much present and I find that just amazing that there is like other countries like my family lives in Spain I'm very you know into the Spanish news and I lived there for a little bit 
And it's just starting. You know, the conversation is beginning right now. We what are, does it sound like, the conversations? In Sweden, I feel like we're talking about microaggressions, you know, and the phrasing of words. We're, we're really into semantics nowadays and, you know, in, in realizing things that you might not realize before. In Spain, the conversation right now is at catcalling. Like, don't catcall someone in the street. Catcall, like... Like, yo, nice ass, you know? Like, that's the beginning of the conversation. It's like, that doesn't really happen here anymore. Sometimes it does. I never actually experienced catcalling here. No? Like, what do they say? Oh, no, they just like whistle or make a comment when you're walking past. I have had that once or twice here. Um, but only once or twice. Whereas Maybe. it's a it's a daily occurrence where I come from. Yes, but Maybe when I'm I, not as good looking, <laughs> I, I, I was going to be like you should count yourself lucky. <laughs> I think when you uh, when when I, I I don't usually use myself or or other people as an example when I'm when I'm trying to explain to people back home the difference. But they see it in my children. Mm. So my daughter, she's 17 years old. It, it, with the kids that she was at school with back in Ireland, all the girls, they're into makeup and hair and, you know, they it, it's all about how short is their skirt and, and, you know, what they look like and what pouch they can put in in a picture. My daughter is full of a different kind of, she's full of confidence. Mm-hmm. In what she's, way? What does she she do? doesn't care about hair and makeup and she's, it's like she's found that balance in when it comes to to gender she talks about everything I mean she talks actually about gender she tells me that there isn't two genders there's actually many many more because mm-hmm. your gender is how you define yourself yeah, she edu- <laughs> educates you yes yeah. but uh, but and her friends talk about these things so they're very very open in the things that they talk about and the way they talk about things and she has I mean she plays this Dungeons and Dragons she mm-hmm. has six guys come to the house every Saturday and they play this game and it's really it's really interesting to watch them but there's never any question as to oh you know back home it would be like you can't have boys coming into the house mm-hmm. like it would be questioned but it's just just the fact that she plays Dungeons and Dragons is amazing I know <laughs> she's amazing yes. but when people see her they know that she has had something different so what, think, how do they react to that when you go back and they see it in your daughter they all say Sweden has been very good to mm-hmm. to you guys and my my son as well I mean he's now back living in Ireland but just the the experience of a different culture I think it, it opened their minds and to know that they they managed to live without that level of of discrimination without yeah. coming up against that i think it's 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 been a blessing it's been a real gift to my children yeah, yeah for sure and and how is it for you to think about that the coincidence maybe that you ended up in stockholm the impact were so like huge on your kids that must be a bit weird to even think about. Yeah, I'm so happy with I'm so happy with the choice. I mm. if you know, until I met this guy, it was actually going to move to Australia. So I had Australia in my mind. I had I been to move visit to Australia. It's fantastic. I do. <laughs> but I had Australia in my mind. And then I met this lovely Swedish guy. And then, you know, we were talking about maybe having more kids and we, we thought we'd find a neutral city, you know, somewhere else in Europe. And then he was like, No, but if we're gonna like very practical Sweden. Yeah. If we're gonna have kids then we should do it in Sweden. So Which is like, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I you know I was a little reluctant coming here I was like cold dark no maybe no hurdy-gurdy I don't mm-hmm. think so but then I got here and it's I feel I feel very free and this is something as a female um, and as a single parent because I have been a single parent for for my entire adult life pretty much I had my first child when I was 17 he's he's now 26 so I'm getting mm. old <laughs> but when I when I moved to Sweden I felt that 
I was perfectly accepted. There was no, that that kind of undercurrent of... Like a stigma um, or... Yes, it just disappeared overnight. I came here and it wasn't, oh my God, who do you think you are living by yourself and looking after kids? I didn't feel the, the need to... I didn't have to justify myself to the society. Yeah. I was just accepted. Why do you think it's like that? It, because it's more common or that, that that people separate here or There's a there's a huge difference in so where I come from it's still very much the mother's responsibility when it comes to the children. When people separate, I mean I actually voted for divorce in Ireland. That's how recent mm-hmm. it was. Um well when my mom got married 45 years ago she had to quit her job. It was actually illegal for women to be married and work. So Ireland has come an extremely long way. If mm. we look at where they are in relation to the gender pay gap, they're 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 getting close to Sweden. They're they're doing very well. But the society needs to change the way that they think about women and it's not just men, women need to also change the way that they think in order that it's acceptable to you know to to exist mm-hmm. as as an equal. And that's yeah. it feels much more equal here. It's not it's not 100%, but no. it's it, in comparison to where I've come from, it's much more equal. But you know, just last week I was talking to my mother and telling her, I don't remember why. Oh yeah, because my boyfriend, my mom was like, "Oh, um are his parents still together?" I'm like, "No, they're divorced, but they live uh, five minutes within each other." And my mom was like, "Oh, but where did he live?" And I'm like, "Well, at both parents' places." And again, my mother is divorced and the whole thing and I think in Venezuela, I don't know. I don't know the exact numbers for from the people that I know, 99% of people stay with their mothers. It's not even an issue of, you know, splitting between your mom and your dad. Sometimes you see your dad, but also when you become a teenager, you're like, whatever, my dad, I'm, you know, just live with your mother. And then your mother is usually a single mother working, you know, to have the, the, like my father moved to Mexico. He was like, bye, I'm moving to Mexico for work. He was like Santa Claus, like arriving every, you know, Christmas and that's it. That is the norm. So when I tell my mom, I'm like, yeah, they lived one week with the mom, one week with the dad. My mom is like, that's horrifying. And I'm why? like, why? exactly. What? Yeah, why? So And I'm like, why? She goes like, I, I don't know. Like, it must have been so confusing being at one place and the other. And I'm like, no, what it's confusing is just living with one parent when the other is still around, but then you don't share the responsibility. That is what is, yeah. and I, you know, Did that you? is how different the... And again, as I told you, like my mother is one of the most independent women I know, but still it's just what the mentality that you grow up with of the woman, like the man is pretty much just like, if you're together, pays half of things, but then he's not really the carer of the children. It is pretty much only the mother's responsibility, which is so, you know, messed up. And when you see it in Sweden, when you see the this equality between parents... It really makes you think. When I was in Ireland, people would ask me, is it not hard being a single parent? You're like, would it not be better if you had someone? And I always thought, no, because it would be like another kid because you have to cook for mm-hmm. them, you have to clean up after them, you have to iron their shirts, <laughs> you know. And then you have to ask them if you want to go somewhere. And I thought, no. How much so- do people iron in Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. But when I came to Stockholm, um, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. Here... I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm accepted as I am. And when people ask me now, would you, 
you, you not think it would be better to share the responsibility? Here it would, mm-hmm. because then they would half of the time look after all of the responsibility. I mean, I have I have friends that have divorced and they, you know, there's a couple of different couples that divorced and they do it different ways. Sometimes they will buy an apartment and the parents will take time going to live for one week in another apartment. Um, sometimes they'll have two separate houses. Yeah. You know, there's lots of different, they're very, very inventive, but they're, it's so amicable and so it's fair and everybody wins. The yes. kids win, the parents win. Sure. And it's just not like that at home. It's a great slogan, Stockholm, everybody wins. <laughs> But something that we hear often on this podcast is uh, that women feel most aware of their gender when they are in a, in a professional setting. For example, walking into a meeting full of uh, men, then it's hard not to feel conscious about your sex. But also we hear that here in Stockholm, the gender issue at workplaces is less of an issue. Have you had that same experience working here? Uh Yes, to some extent. I think that in the places where I've worked, um, there is still a predominance of men in managerial or you know executive positions in general. I would say that it's still not half and half even. But it is, of course, better. And even more than that, I feel like what's really valuable is that there is an awareness and that at least there is a conversation going Whereas in other places, it might be the same case, but there's there isn't even a conversation going on. And the conversation so, is maybe also a bit taboo. or Correct. Yeah. So here it's just like, okay, we have this problem. And whenever there's a hiring process, there's of course like that comes into consideration and things like this. And what I find really nice is that it's kind of like accepted that you can actually just say, you can go into work and go like, hey guys, I think it's stupid that we have so many men in executive positions. And no one can be like, Shut up, you know. Everyone's like, oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, you have the, the the courage and the confidence to, For to sure. say that because you know you're going to be welcomed with that. Yeah, when I was working with Lymon, I mean, they were actively hiring women, actively looking for mm-hmm. women. I mean, they ha- they now have women on the board, they have women in the leadership team, they have they have women right through the organization, yeah. and they they m- are trying very much to balance it. Now, it's not. It's even not easy all the time to mm-hmm. create that balance because you need to find the people that have the skills of and, and then put them in. But, you know, it, it's they definitely kind of work more towards finding the balance. But one thing that I did notice in in working there is that my gender was never questioned. So it I never felt like in some places... If, uh, you know, if it's time to get the tea or the coffee or, or go get the lunch for the team or any of these things, the job would fall to the woman. You know, they would automatically expect you're a woman, so you're going to mm-hmm. do the kitchen bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's definitely not the case. I mean, it's not something that I've come up against here in Sweden. It, so it, it it's very subtle. Again, it's yeah. it, as you say, it's very, very difficult yeah. to put, put it into words yeah. because it is so subtle. But it's um, it's quite impactful. And it's also like, how do you, because for example, if you ask me about Venezuela, I can give you, I don't know, 3,000 million examples of times when I felt discriminated or unsafe or whatever. But in Sweden, it's kind of like, it's difficult to explain something that you've never experienced because I've never experienced discrimination as a woman, at least in the workplace. So to, you know, the only thing that you can say is I've never experienced it. I don't have, it's not like this day I was not 
discriminated against you know what i mean it's just like <laughs> yeah it's just a general uh today experience. i was not discriminated today again. yeah yes. so maybe you can have your, your calendar and market here goes another day where i was not discriminated yeah, nobody commented on how it was good because i, I was a woman so that made yeah. it maybe but also like I, f- I was just thinking about this the other day i remember in venezuela going uh, to university that was really far away and i had to take the like tunabana to get there and uh, the tunabana was built maybe in like the 80s and Caracas is a huge city and it really hasn't grown. So it's super, super, super packed. Sometimes you would have to go a station back in order to be able to go into the train so that it wasn't so packed. But I would have to go with a male friend whenever I wanted to go into the Tunabana so that he would stand behind me so that no one would push their crotch into my ass when I was standing in the Tunabana. So this is how, this is a standard of being a woman there so here it's like the most striking thing for me has been feeling safe as a woman walking home at night and what is that experience it's brilliant i still like my friends still think that i'm a bit like whoop but paranoia will never leave me so if i walk home i still walk with my keys between my knuckles in case i have to like shove my keys into someone's eyes you know but like but i've never actually been in a situation like that, it is so safe. I can go home super drunk on a Saturday night, like it's going to be fine. Whereas in Venezuela, you can't even go in the Tunabana with someone shoving their, you know, whatever, their junk into you. So it's like, you know, it's such an extreme, you know, polar opposites. And, and to be safe as a woman here is just, of course, I, I understand that there is rape and all of these things, but... In general, I think that at least I feel very safe as a woman here. Yeah, I do as well. And my, my children have been very safe here. I yeah. mean, if you look at children here, they they go, they go walk to school from, you know, they take the tunnelbana themselves from the age of seven. I mean, you're supposed to follow them or, you yeah. know, <laughs> make sure yeah. that they're all right. But how many little kids do you see going on the trains by themselves? Yeah. My daughter is perfectly safe here. I mean, she knows, of course, to, you still need to be vigilant. Clearly, yes. But it's definitely a lot safer. Yeah, 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 for sure. Although Ireland, I have to say, Ireland is is quite safe when it comes to these yeah. things. It's, it, Venezuela sounds much worse. The Venezuela is like, it's impossible. But also I feel like, of course, a perception. I went to a football game the other day and everyone was like, it's going to be crazy. It was like the premiere of like Hammarby. I've never been to a football game before. It was like, it's going to be crazy, drunken men, blah, blah, blah. And then I got there and it was so peaceful. I was like, yeah, they're a little bit like tipsy, like with like, you know, little colorful smoke and whatever. But I was like... If you go to like a political march in Venezuela, like yeah. that feels crazier than the premier, the football premier. You know, and it's like everything is relative. Things are very calm here. We're going to jump into uh, a little bit of, a, of another subject. You've uh, been working on a book. Quickly, give me a little presentation what it's about. Okay, so I have uh, I've written a book on female pelvic health. So focusing on trying to break the taboo around pelvic floor dysfunction. So pelvic floor dysfunction can result in urinary incontinence or sexual dysfunction or pelvic pain. There's lots of different things that can happen. Um, and it's, it's taboo to talk about these things, so, which means that a lot of women suffer in silence. And I want to try to, um, to create some noise to 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 break the silence and in this project have you found uh, Stockholm as a place has it worked good to uh, get a message out yeah so, so one of the nice things about Stockholm is that people are very open and actually they like to discuss controversial subjects so when you want to talk about something taboo people are very willing and very open to listen and also to give feedback and to to share information so a lot of the uh, 
I mean, I've spoken to men and women about these issues. And of course, it's, it's important to speak about these issues to everybody because in order to break a taboo, everyone collectively needs to agree that you can talk about it. But they're very open. But you, Here you, people are so open. Have well, you seen on the Tunnelbana, like Slussen and whatnot, there are these like super cute illustrations of like... Of these uh, men doing naked yoga. Yeah, but also women, and there's one where she has like a period blood. Yeah, yeah, it's from the from the artist Liv Strömstedt. Yeah, yeah. she I'm makes like, a, it, it's, it's a period uh, art. Like, ah, yeah. Where else are you gonna find this? Yeah, or the penis in the wall the yes. other day? <laughs> the blue I'm like, penis. The blue penis. I'm like, it's it's fantastic. Why is it fantastic, and why is it also important to be able to have discussions on these topics and issues, and that they're not tabooed? There's there's an openness when when you come to Sweden and you go to the gym. I mean, the first time I went to the gym, I was very kind of open back home. Like I showered naked, which was bizarre because never, all of the never. women in the showers in the in the gyms would have like biki- but bikinis. But you don't shower on. naked. No, not in the gym. Not in the gym. Mm-hmm. No, no, not no, in no. Ventura and not no. Ireland. You know, people will come out of the swimming pool with their costume on and shower with the costume on and then dry and then make a little tent with the towel. But in, in the uh, women's in dressing, the women's dressing room. room. We yes. have doors, like individual showers That's with it doors. As well, yeah. Okay, but why? Well, because... Because nobody can see you. Oh. Not like, even other women. In Venezuela, women. like the country of reggaeton, it's like you can go to the beach in a thong, but as long as you cover your nipples... You know what I mean? So you have like massive fake boobs with like teeny tiny bikinis. Everything is like so vulgar. I mean, you look you more naked with a thong than you correct, do Correct, uh, but you do naked. not show the nipple. You never. Like, God forbid that you show a nipple. Or, or I had never else. saw my friends naked. <laughs> First time I've ever seen like my friends naked was like last year in Marrakesh. I went with two colleagues and we went to like one of these like hammam baths. Yeah. And they just like yanked the swimsuits out of And I was terrified and they were like whatever they're Swedish they were like but how is it for you then to to like the first time you experienced a Swedish badhus? Yeah, it was it was it was very interesting because you know like really I was, looking. I was way out there back home because I actually you know went naked to the shower and came back and I I dried myself and was visibly naked in the room. I didn't think I should wrap, make a tent towel to to you know dry myself so nobody could see my bits. I was like, yeah. I don't care. Just one question: mm-hmm. How is it in the, the the men's locker room? Are they doing? The I think same? they're. I think they're naked. I don't think okay. they have the same issue. I think okay. it's only female that are disgusting and have to cover themselves. In Venezuela, it's everybody. Like is everybody it? is covered. Like okay. nobody sees each other naked. It's okay. pretty strange. But in, but in Ireland, you make a tent with your towel yeah. and you, you dry yourself off and you make sure that you dress, you know, you pull your underwear on underneath the towel so nobody That's sees so your, your coat. Yeah, exactly. So, so I thought I was quite open because I actually dried myself normally back there and dressed normally. I didn't make this tent. So I thought, you know, I'm very open. I came to Sweden, <laughs> first time into the gym. Where did you go? What do, was uh, it, it, was in Sats. Sats. it was Sats yeah. on Sturaplan. Yeah. And I went into the changing room and, uh, you know, I, I was going to go and have the shower and the girls were walking to the shower with the towel in their hand. Yeah. And like you can walking like, get naked. a butt in your head like people yeah. are uh, moving around naked. They don't care. They're not hiding. They're not trying to hide anything. They're just completely comfortable in their own mm-hmm. skin. That's priceless. That is priceless. That really, I mean, I was like, wow. You know, I wish that Also I, pubic hair. I saw pubic hair like in Venezuela. You never see pubic hair. Or like everybody, like the standard is like Brazilian everywhere. Yeah. You know, like here it was like, oh, like there is pubic hair. Or maybe it was also because I was doing yoga and they're a bit more like... Yeah. Isn't that also a bit <laughs> like... Uh, one with the earth, but like whatever. I was like, oh, interesting. But isn't you know? that a bit like also with generations and trends? Like maybe young people 
at least here, because it used to be Brazilian here too a couple mm. of years ago. But now I see also in the yoga class that there are yeah. more like bushes around. And yeah. it's all about like it's, armpit hair now yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and legs. And legs. I, I'm a yoga teacher and I have hairy legs, like girls with hairy legs coming quite I a lot. I wonder when mustaches are coming. I don't, I, I have a, because I, I don't see that being ever like a thing where girls are going to be like, I'm going to have a unibrow. And the mustache. <laughs> I think definitely it's coming. You, ca- you think yeah, it's coming? I think it's like coming. Like the mustache is going to be like the next uh, monkey campaign. I think so. <laughs> Maybe. So long as you think something is shameful or dirty or embarrassing, you're not going to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, you won't be able to find the information that you need. So if you can't turn around to your friend and say, I'm having this problem, um, and, sh- you know, that... The knowledge is is commonly known if something is not taboo. Then people will know, okay, go to this person, you know, go to that website. They, they'll know where to find the information. So what happens is people don't talk about it. They go to the doctor. The doctor says, what can the doctor offer you? He can send you to a surgeon and you can have surgery. And that's not the answer. You know, it, it yeah. typically um, isn't needed. Yeah, that's and what your book shows. So. Yeah, it's one of the things. I mean, if you have, for example, pelvic organ prolapse and you have a surgery for fel- pelvic organ prolapse, there's a 40% chance that you're going to be back for another surgery. That's because insane. you need to actually look at the root cause of the problem rather than addressing it right off the bat with surgery. And but that's what's happening. Also having an open conversation around, uh, you know, taboo topics such as like sexuality, for example. And, you know, even this like small cartoons in the Tunnelbana with period, blood and whatever, like that is already a step forward because as much like if we own the sexual discourse, for example, that's also a tool for empowerment in a way. And not even about problems, what we call, you know, problems and whatnot. It's not it's not that you have an embarrassing issue or something. There is, just as there is a, a, a pay gap, there is also an orgasm gap, which is huge. So why aren't we also talking about that? Yes. Do you know what I mean? So this is one of the things that I, that I go through in the book as well, actually, is, is the kind of where does orgasm come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what you need to understand the relationship between the brain and the vagina. Why do you think uh, the climate is like it is here in Stockholm? Have you, have you thought anything about that? I think that it takes generations for things to change. And if you look at where, you know, we come from Catholic mm-hmm. countries, uh, where, as I said, my mum 43 years ago, or 45 years ago, sorry, wasn't allowed to go back to work. I mean, the the, the gender roles are, are very different and you have a lot of shame um, around the, the female body. Um, it takes a long time for that to subside because the government makes lots of changes, puts in lots of rules and helps to kind of um, legislate around these issues. But the reality is that people need to, uh, the society need to change their their way of thinking. And th- that change doesn't happen overnight. And I think it doesn't happen in one generation. My, my daughter yeah. talks about her periods with people Whoever, you know yeah. like she's she didn't hide her periods from her brothers and yeah. I was like whoa I was I was exactly. taken aback and it wasn't me I didn't um, you know I wasn't smart enough to kind of make that separation and my sons talk about p- periods as well so yeah. it's not for them it's not a taboo so I think that it just takes a few generations to to change the the minds but what, what do you think? I have been giving this some thought because I do find it quite remarkable how adaptable Swedish society is in a way and the fact that you know if not 
a trend-setting society, it's still like the early adopting society in a lot of things. It can be, you know, from food, for example. Never in my life I've seen so many places that have so much international food and people are obsessed with like baos, for example, and like yeah. ramen. And, and when it happens, you know, it happens really fast. It's like when yes. sushi came, like so, wow. sushi restaurants Everywhere. all over. Everywhere. <laughs> and then and it's then, like poke bowl. It's yeah, all over. All over. But also with music, you know, it's a lot of uh, international music and people are super open-minded towards a lot of things. Which at the same time, on the other hand, having lived in other places like Venezuela or Barcelona and things like that, where it has a very, you know, strong sense of identity, which is something that I haven't really found in Sweden, for better or for worse. So it's really difficult to eat Swedish food in Sweden, I find. Yeah. You know. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. Difficult but it, because you can't find it or because it yeah, tastes... Yeah, people here... Tastes, no, I love Swedish food. Uh, I think it's fantastic, but... There is, like, it, you know, in Spain, I don't know, 80% of restaurants are Spanish restaurants. Okay, yeah. In Barcelona. You come to Stockholm, maybe the 5% are Swedish restaurants. You know, like, in Stockholm, like, people are super accepting of, of other cultures, of other points of views. And, you know, I think that even though this has been a Protestant society and stuff, I would say that in Stockholm, most of the people are actually non-religious. Whereas in, for example, in Venezuela, even though your family is Catholic and you're not particularly religious, you would still call yourself Catholic. Here, people are not even identified with that. So the 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 thing with identity when you don't have a really clear one is that you're also a lot more open-minded to accepting change and other points of views. So if you're not particularly identified you know, with any kind of religion, then if you have someone else from another religion, they're like, okay, that's cool. If you have someone else coming over saying I'm not man nor women, it's like, oh, that's great. Like, we don't care. That's fantastic. So I don't I don't know where it stems from. All I know is that there is not a lack of uh perhaps like Swedish identity in a sense, you know, also with like language. We've been here for how long and we don't really speak the language? Yeah, because Swedes love to speak Practice English. English. But also love yeah. to read Except Pokeballs <laughs> and also love having immigrants and also love you know it's like it, it, there is this insane like open-mindedness to 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 the other which is yeah. just the most beautiful thing i think that's um as a swede very nice to hear yeah. those words from you uh, finally uh, this question is uh, uh, to both of you uh, in your opinion what makes somewhere a woman's place <laughs> <laughs> the, i think the that freedom to just be Uh, whoever you are and whatever you want to be, I mean the world. We are all creators, yeah. and to be to be able to create your way and be your authentic self, rather than uh, having to fit into some um, predefined standard that has been created by probably some man somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this shape, these shoes, yeah. <laughs> this dress, this hair. You know, but just to be able to to be yourself and to decide whatever that is and yeah. to be f- free in that. Just any place that treats you like an actual human, in in whichever shape you decide to represent yourself in in a way I think that's just brilliant I've had the most uh, I'm incredibly grateful towards Sweden actually and uh, for example as we were like going a bit like full, full circle but coming here in a relationship and you know a lot of my friends from back home are also in a relationship and things like that and the fact that I could decide to get a divorce because I could because I was economically personally independent and I could choose how I wanted to live my life and and didn't depend on someone else paying rent or bringing food or anything. It's just, you know, it's something that you just do. 
because it's 2018 and you're like, oh, of course I'm going to get a divorce. But my grandma couldn't have gotten a divorce. Like, she's still alive. Yes, like, we've come such a long way and we take things for granted. And for me, in like the Swedish perspective, sometimes I'm like, oh, people here are like pushing it a bit too hard. But in reality, I'm like, actually, this is like, these people have allowed for me to be able to choose how I want to live my life. And that is just something to be like incredibly grateful for, I think. Thank you both for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. And join us again soon for the next episode of A Woman's Place. More period talk. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hey!